0: What's up, my podcast listeners? This is your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and I am bringing you a very special episode. Um, because I have been doing this podcast for so freaking long, I have brought up certain topics over and over again, but you know, with some new knowledge or different contexts, And I was going through my old episodes, and you know, believe it or not, I've spoken about low back pain a lot and I'm bringing three episodes all together and it's actually a three-part series that I did, but they were so spaced apart. So I took the time to actually edit all of them, putting them together, and made it into one solid episode, which is going to give you a lot more value and not feeling like, oh, he could have talked a little bit longer on that, you know, flexion intolerant topic or, kind of go more in depth into those exercises. So I'm going to start putting certain episodes together that kind of blend in together and complement each other to give you more content, more clarity on what to do. And low back pain is one of those big 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 topics and I already have another One that we're going to put three episodes together that are even longer that I've done over the years So this is going to be the kind of the first installment and I'm super excited to have these together for you Because a lot of times when people you know start my podcast There's a lot of freaking episodes We're almost at 500 so it's kind of hard to keep track So I'm gonna start piecing things together elaborate on them a little bit more so without further ado Here is the three-part series on low back pain What I want to talk about today is back pain and specifically low back pain and I think I've brought up this topic before but in a uh, more of a deadlift uh, setting and you know the stats of low back pain are staggering, it's ridiculous like you know one out of two people probably now. Have experienced some sort of low back pain where it was pretty severe to the point where they maybe have missed work or you know um, could barely function and they kind of just waited it out and now they kind of have that reoccurring symptom here and there so the first thing to kind of understand about low back pain is that there's no like specific one. There's no such thing as specific low back pain. Like it's gonna vary person to person. And there's a lot of things that you can do and there's a lot of stuff that you shouldn't do. So the first thing, since I've been working in a chiropractic clinic, and now it's more of a multidisciplinary clinic where we have massage, physio, and osteopathic practitioners, but, um, the first thing you want to rule out is whether or not the low back pain is flexion based or extension based. So to kind of give clarification on what that is, and honestly a really really good resource is um, one of Dr. Stuart McGill's book. Uh, I think it's called the Low Back Mechanic, and it was written for um, you know tr- like newer trainers, but primarily for. Um, You know, the general population, because the general population are the ones that deal with low back pain. So in there, there's a lot of protocols to figure out what the pain trigger is. Um, Honestly, I could do a whole presentation about this, and maybe I'll do that coming up. I think that'd be kind of good to do a whole PowerPoint presentation on that. But um, yeah, he goes through a different... um, protocols to figure out what the trigger is so the two that we look at the clinic is again flexion and extension Um, I've seen I would say probably 90% of the people that we see are all flexion um, based low back pain meaning if they take their spine from a neutral position like if they're standing and they bend forward with their spine rounding their back to like pick something off the floor they get pain in their low back so that would be a flexion intolerant back now for an extension uh, based low back pain it would be the opposite so imagine if you're standing up straight in a neutral position and you're extending backwards um, and then you get pain right so for extension based low back pain I find that tends to happen with more so the population of um, athletics so people that Um, say do CrossFit so if you think of CrossFitters a lot of their exercises are extension based so when they deadlift at the top that's extension when they squat to the top that's extension when they do an overhead snatch or a clean they end in extension they're always kind of hyper extended and then their low back feels pain in that position it's just like anything if I poke my head forward over and over and over again my neck is not going to feel that great by the end of the day right like our bodies are meant to move in so many different planes of motion and if you overload one um it tends to not feel good after a while um and another example is people like gymnasts who are very more upright like think of those athletes that are always in an extension patterns so that's where it will present extension low back pain so for the sake of the time that we have today together i'm going to go over more of the flexion based low back pain so in the clinic we obviously do an assessment to figure all this stuff out but usually when we have people with low back pain we ask them to flex forward they can barely reach down and it can be pretty bad now there's a couple things here it can be a mechanical issue where it's literally like soft tissue that you know all the muscles around your spine your vertebrae are just like super tight and angry that are preventing you from moving and they're sending pain signals that can be more of like a mechanical issue a discogenic issue is a whole nother story you could be so flexion intolerant that you're actually pushing your discs within your vertebrae, in between out a little bit that are hitting a nerve and you're getting discogenic pain this is more of an extreme situation but it can happen in every day like i've had a discogenic injury myself and it was so stupid it was never anything cool i literally just bent over to pick up my laptop bag All I had in that bag was my laptop and maybe a few pens and a notebook, right? So what are we talking about? Maybe at the most six pounds, five pounds? And my entire back gave out, it was terrible. I could not even stand up straight. I had to crawl to my car and it took me several hours before I could actually walk without holding my breath and bracing. It was that bad. So, that's more of an example of a discogenic flexion based low back injury. So, in those cases, I always refer out like, as a trainer, I'm not going to be able to fix it. Now, I could temporarily help the individual, AKA my client, but again, it's like that person would be so much better to go see a chiropractor or a physio. Now, you know, in my training in the clinic, I have some other tools that could help. The big one is I can rock tape someone's low back to help with the pain, but they still need to get assessed thoroughly th- with a practitioner and um, get some treatment done. But if someone has just a you know low back flare up due to a flexion based activity, usually what happens is if you look at our society today, everyone sits all fucking day, I'd say at least 90% of our day consists of, you know, sitting, and then probably 8% of the rest of the day is us sleeping, and then a 2% of the day is us walking in between our sitting, so when you look at that, like, our spine constantly goes into flexion in a seated position. And just like anything, that repetitive motion over and over and over and over again is going to cause some stress on the low back extensors or the paraspinals. And over time, your body's going to be like, F this, things are going to get tighter and tighter. And then when you go do something athletic or bend one more time over to grab your sock, your back tells you to fuck right off, right? So what can you do in those situations? the first thing i do when we see a pretty severe low back uh, flexion intolerant um, patient is we start with belly breathing you know anytime there's an injury that occurs your nervous system is like redlining the shit out of your body to prevent movement because it doesn't want you to do anything worse so that's why when you injure yourself you don't feel like moving everything hormonally and inside your body is causing a process to prevent movement, but we all know in a rehab setting that movement is what's gonna help. So the first thing to do is communicate to your nervous system to calm the F down. So by using our diaphragm with big, big, big diaphragmic breaths, it starts the process to tell your body to chill the F out. So when you look at anatomy, especially with the cranial nerves that are responsible for certain things in our body. The cranial nerve that's most important in this situation is your vagus nerve. It goes from your brain down into your diaphragm. Every single deep diaphragmic breath you take stimulates that nerve. That nerve is responsible for um, de-stressing your body and uh, producing hormones to keep you calm. So in this heightened situation where you are in pain, it would make sense to send signals into your entire body to calm down. Because usually when you have a low back um, episode, you're kind of just really, really tense and you don't want to move. So that's the first step. And then learning how to hinge with your hips with that breathing strategy. do this with every single patient in the clinic teaching them how to move through their hips and not through their low back the more you can you know stimulate the movement pattern the better so then when you do go pick something off the ground like your child because let's face it a lot of the people i train and see are parents They injure themselves and now they're like, holy shit, how am I supposed to pick up my toddler, pick up my baby without being in pain? So if I can teach them, teach the nervous system how to rewire itself to learn how to hinge and pick something up, it's gonna help them a lot. But it takes time to kind of reprogram all the pain signals. So it's one step at a time. So two things to remember. Breathing through your diaphragm Two, learning how to utilize that breath in a spine sparing movement like the hip hinge because you stay in a neutral position the entire time. So I'm going to stop it right there because I could like talk about this forever. But anytime there's a low back episode, make sure you start with breathing and you get into a habit of learning spine-sparing exercises like the hip hinge. So I'm going to leave it at that. If I can remember correctly, the points that I brought up in my last talk was what to do kind of acutely for... um, We have a low back flare-up. So if you haven't listened to that show just yet, that episode, highly recommend it. So now let's get into like kind of I call this phase two. You know, phase one was we need to calm down the nervous system. We need to figure out if you're flexion intolerant, extension intolerant, whatever it may be. And say you've got some treatment done, you're starting to feel a little bit better. This is where I start getting people in spine sparing exercises. One in particular is learning how to hinge up the hips. So say you're an experienced lifter and you got your low back flared up. Right away, what I want to see is regrooving the pattern of utilizing the hips. Right, A lot of times when we get into um, low back pain, our bodies want to kind of avoid those positions so literally a lot of times I'll get people in the clinic to like deadlift with a 35 pound dumbbell or kettlebell to reinforce that hey hamstrings and glutes need to turn on to pick shit up because we all know that when we get home after treatment we're probably going to do something stupid like bend over into flexion if you're flexion intolerant to pick up your sock your kid whatever so if we can re pattern the groove of using your hips as a hinge it's gonna save you a lot of trouble now the other two spine sparing exercises I get every single person to do and even if you've never injured your lower back I still go over these two for my patients and clients because a lot of times when people don't know how to create core stability they end up doing, you know, tweaks in. Oh, hey, Misty. <laughs> Some tweaks in um, their low back, QL, whatever it may be. So the two exercises, is the bird dog and dead bug. So I'm gonna start with the dead bug first, and it can be as simple as, you know, in this first episode we were talking about belly breathing. Learning how to, to diaphragmically breathe is going to be the first kind of step towards building core stability and learning how to engage your core without overly bracing. So if you think of the mechanism of, you know, doing a diaphragmic breath, the moment I get a patient to breathe in through their diaphragm and learn how to u- utilize that position with um, their torso and their cage or their your core, whatever you want to call it, um, The thing that I noticed right away is teaching how to teach people how to not rib flare. So the moment you take a big, 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 do you have to breathe so loud, Mr. H? The moment you take a deep breath in through your diaphragm and then exhale, you'll notice that your rib cage actually flattens pretty naturally. And then I cue people that the moment that happens, try to keep that as your new normal. And this goes back to... Um, Yonda who's a physiotherapist way beyond his time came up with this concept of joint centration so an example of that is imagine if I told you to go to your gym and pick up a hundred pound dumbbell you would like be like oh shit like a hundred pounds that's going to be super heavy so I'm going to make sure I brace for it what happens when you like set up you know just a hundred pound dumbbell off the dumbbell rack. Think about what your body's going to do. Like you're going to think, okay, I'm going to have like a good flat back. I'm going to missy. Can you not be in my face while I'm doing my podcast? <laughs> She's literally right in my face and br- panting into my face and it's starting to heat up the car. Anyway, um, think about what your body would have to do in order to properly brace. Like your shoulders set back your hips get in line you're squeezing the dumbbell handle hard like all these things line up into alignment and that's the concept of joint centration now imagine if you didn't do that and try to pick up the 100 pound dumbbell something's gonna pull yank and not feel good right so this whole idea of joint centration can also go back to how you're breathing Now imagine every single exercise, if you weren't properly breathing, there's no way for you to centrate your body to give you the best leverage angles to lift the weight or put put it down or push it over your head. So that being said, the first step to proper mechanics and alignment of your body comes down from the breath. So, the moment I can get someone to learn how to keep their ribs in a neutral position and a downward position where it's setting even your spine in a neutral position to lift weight is a good thing. So, then I reinforce into the body that every single time you do an exercise, lift something heavy, you're going to be in a joint centrated position. Now, say, example in that first episode where we're just learning how to diaphragmically breathe, we now go into a dead bug progression. So a regular dead bug is like you're lying on your back, legs bent at 90, arms towards the ceiling, and then you take say your left leg and right arm, you extend it out straight and back in. How I coach this dead bug is one, in that position, taking that big diaphragmic breath, holding it, then extend opposite arm and opposite leg. And then exhale hard, bring those two limbs together. That is a proper dead bug. The other thing I'd start coaching is that with the leg extended, I want them to kick with their heel, extend with their heel, extend with that hip to really elongate the body. And then that opposite arm reaching far, far, far back as possible, and then creating a fist for maximal tension. And then Exhaling hard, like that's a good dead bug. And what that teaches your body is to how to stabilize in positions that require a lot of core stability. Now, because you're lying on your back, you have no spinal loading compared to like if you were going to do a barbell back squat, that requires some sort of loading into your spine and you need to be able to brace to hold that. So, by doing a dead bug, it's a low entry level core stability building exercise that reinforces the body to constantly engage when it's asked for spinal stability. So by doing this dead bug in your warm ups, in your program, in your daily movement routine that everyone should be doing that no one does, will help speed up the process to feel better. Like I've seen patients in the clinic that are in chronic low back pain. And then the exercises I give them that we've already spoken about so far that actually do them on a daily basis, the next time I see them, like the week after, two weeks after, their healing time is so quick compared to a patient that doesn't do shit at home and just goes back to their desk job and then comes back the next week and they're like, honestly, my back hasn't gotten any better. right? That's the other thing too. A lot of times when people go to chiro and physio and had a bad experience, sure, there are some shitty practitioners out there, but most of the time, those practitioners give you homework to do. And a lot of times, patients don't do that homework, right? Like, we're fortunate to have, have a system where um, Dr. Forster, the chiropractor that I work, treats you first and then comes uh to me for the active rehab so at least you're doing the exercise right there and then some practitioners don't have that luxury in their practice because the way they set it up before or they work in a clinic where that's frowned upon or whatever it is so a lot of times if people actually just did their homework they would improve so freaking much and if you look at the research on exercise like Minimal amount of effort gives you benefit. Like, I remember reading um, research articles when I first started in the industry that, you know, they took a group of people that did literally three exercises, 10 reps each, and they had health benefits from it. Like, it's crazy. So, even if you're, if you think, and if you're like, a fitness enthusiast that all these rehab exercises you're getting from a chiropractor and physio are bullshit like actually try it like trust the process so going back to the dead bug one of the best ways to do it so now let's break it down now imagine if um you started doing that exact sequence that i just said about the dead bug and your low back is still hurting. There's a couple things you can do here. One, if you look at the laws of biomechanics and exercise, if you shorten your lever, it makes an exercise easier. So an example of that, and it's usually the legs, because again, think about the musculature around your legs compared to your arms, is far greater. So if we shorten up the lever of your legs, it might make the exercise not cause And trigger a pain response. So imagine rather than extending the leg straight out, you keep it bent at 90 degrees and then you slowly tap the heel down and back up. That changes a lot of things for people. You're probably cutting at least, I don't know, 40% of the weight that's required for your core to turn on and stabilize. If that doesn't even work, something as simple as um, closing off where your hip angle is. So a lot of times, if you look at your spine, if you lay down on your back, where your lumbar spine, there's a little curve and there's always a little space in between um, your low back and the floor. So maybe all you have to do is actually just tilt your pelvis into the floor and not like jam it in there, but just actively tilt it and hold it there and then try extending your leg in and out. That changes hip angle. Now, why would that make a difference? If you think for the general population, we sit all the fucking time, all the time. So how can we change exercise to help prevent any kind of you know, issue that relies on sitting too much? So if you think about most of us who sit in a, a hip flexed position, those hip flexors at the front of your hip are going to be super jammed up and like just like rocks, right? So imagine when you're extending your leg in a dead bug and you get into extension, and if your stuff in your stuff in the front of your hip is tight, you'll get to your end range, and what's going to happen for you to strain out your leg and have your heel tap the ground? Your lumbar spine is have to has to you know tilt in that arch position to get you to tap your heel to the ground. No wonder your low back's gonna be pissed off. So sometimes what I do is I cue, keeping your low back kind of pushed into the ground. And then when you extend, rather than having your heel tap the ground, you just like kick towards the, kind of like air or the wall rather than tapping it down. So now you close your, you know, angle where your hip is required to, you know, cheat by using the lumbar spine. So that being said, dead bugs, so freaking important to create spinal stability. Now, the next thing that I want to talk about is progressing the dead bug as well. There are so many variations of the dead bug to continually um, challenge the individual client and yourself, and like it's endless, right? So if you go on my Facebook or my YouTube page, there's so many different variations of the dead bug that I've filmed that you can use. So even if you're not dealing with a low back injury, but you wanna challenge your core stability, with a low barrier of entry of you know, spinal loading, like that's where you should be. That should be your bread and butter. So if you even look at my own programming for my clients and for myself, there's so many dead bugs and bird dogs. And even if you're the fittest person I've ever met, I can find a variation that will fuck you up for sure. Right, Misty? She's literally in my face. Hang on. So moving on, what I wanna talk about is the bird dog but honestly i feel like so that's going to end it because i'm almost at my destination the dog park and i think i'll bring up kind of like a part three for next time because i can talk forever about bird dogs and its variations so Thank you for listening to me ramble. You guys are amazing. Anyway. I want to get back into our series of low back pain and what to do about it because it's a long, grueling process, especially when you don't have the right tools. So to kind of recap, we first talked about are you either flexion intolerant or extension intolerant? And then we moved into breathing and then into specific exercises. And I believe we ended off with the dead bug. And if I am not mistaken, maybe the bird dog. If we haven't hit the bird dog, we're gonna hit it right now. And this goes into the McGill big three. So the McGill Big Three, if you don't know who Stuart McGill is, he is the top and leading researcher, in my opinion, when it comes to um, low back rehab. He's probably put in 30 to 40 years of research and dedicated his career to low back pain, so definitely look him up. Um, The McGill Big Three is a half a side plank, a bird dog, and something called the McGill Curl Up, which is kind of like a um, crunch, but not really because you barely get off the floor. And all these three exercises are researched and proven to help people with low back pain. Like if you had to do these daily, well, I would want you to do them daily, you would see a huge um, improvement in pain and life quality. So I'm going to tackle the bird dog first. So the bird dog is probably um, one of the most, most um, butchered exercises out there. The bird dog is probably prescribed by every physio and chiro and rehab professional out there but a lot of people do it incorrectly so if you look at the bird dog exercise where you have the opposite hand and opposite leg extending most people when they kick that back leg back their heel goes past their bum for the most part people's hips are pretty freaking tight these days so my guess is that when they extend their heel back like that and goes past their bum, they're actually not using their glute to engage hip extension. They're using their lumbar uh, muscles to extend their hip. And when I see this in my assessments, when people do the perform the bird dog for me, now I know every time your body's required hip extension, you're going through lumbar extension and it's a habit and then you wonder why people deadlift or do single leg deadlifts or any kind of hip extension movement, they get low back pain after the exercise. It's just, it's ingrained in their head and brain and nervous system that, oh, you need to extend through your hips, we're actually gonna use our low back instead. So when I coach it, I almost want their back toe to almost drag the ground and hover like maybe an inch And then with that heel drive, they can really think and engage that glute to drive back to get proper hip extension. Now that we have that covered, that opposite arm reaching out, I want that to work too. I want that bicep to be right beside the ear as it extends. And I want you to create a fist as you're driving through, like you're trying to punch someone or you're... Superman flying through the air, you're just driving that fist as hard as possible. On the way back, simultaneously with that leg and fist that are at full extension, you're driving through, you come back and relax. If you look at McGill's work, he talks a lot about learning how to stiffen up the torso, how to brace, how to engage the body, because when you lift anything, most people just think, oh, you know, this box or my kid or my dog's only 20 pounds. I'm just going to go lift it. If you properly brace yourself to engage and kind of create that abdominal stiffness that Miguel always talks about and you lift up that 20-pound object, you are now making yourself more resilient and ingraining a habit that anytime when it comes to picking shit up, you're going to be fully braced for it. And that's going to translate to what you do in the gym. If you look at any long lasting power lifter, they understand this. When they go up to a bar to deadlift, if it's 135 pounds, they're going to treat it as their one rep max at 800 to whatever, right? No matter what the weight is, they're approaching it mentally and physically like it's their one rep max. So if we started implementing that into certain exercises where you're trying to get that mind and muscle connection of learning how to create stiffness and rigidity and then also learn how to relax, things are going to be a lot better for you every single day of your life when picking up shit. So the bird dog is not some flimsy back and forth yoga Pilates movement. It's an actual hard, hard in quotation, air quotes here, um core exercise it's allowing the body to actively do a cross pattern movement while stabilizing not only the hips but also the lumbar spine and your core so now that we have this bird dog in place where we know how to create intra-abdominal pressure create that tension and stiffness and if i went by my client doing a bird dog and they extended straight out and i told them hold it there for five seconds i should not be able to push him over Like that's the kind of brace you want. And that helps relieve pressure on that lumbar spine and teaches your body and nervous system how to create spinal stability so then when you do something dynamic like pick up your kid, you don't fuck your back up. That's like a scientific term. Don't fuck your back up. So there you have it. The bird dog. One of the most butchered exercises i've ever seen and actually you know what? i forgot one more thing the supporting hand on the ground as you're doing that opposite hand and leg reach i want you to think of corkscrewing that hand into the ground like you're trying to freaking break the floor what this does is engages your lats and if you look at the anatomy of your lats like yeah like where most bodybuilders um you know flex to expose their lats. it also goes down right into that lumbar spine so it almost makes sense to engage that muscle group to help stabilize and strengthen that area if you're dealing with low back pain now moving on to the next mcgill exercise is the half side plank and you know like if depending on where you're at when it comes to pain you know maybe a full side plank is better but for the most part being more conservative and doing really really well on the foundations like I always say is gonna save you a lot of trouble down the road so now if you imagine a half side plank rather than having your legs extended you're gonna have your legs bent and have two pressure points of where your knees are and where your elbow is now this teaches the body how to fight anti lateral flexion and If you think about it, most of us, one, they're not going to hinge at their hips to pick up shit. You're going to do some weird like lateral flexion movements and our spine doesn't really like that under load. You know, yeah, you can do it, but for low back pain individuals, you're just feeding into the fire of making shit work terribly, (laughs) right? getting comfortable in that half side plank position where you're taking you know 20 to 30 seconds and you're learning how to brace and you're creating that tension and like small coaching cues go a long way when i get someone into that half side plank position i'm telling them to squeeze their ass as hard as possible I'm telling them to drive their elbow into the ground like they're trying to pierce a hole into the gym floor. And then with their hand, it's not loosey-goosey. It's another fist. They're creating tension. They're holding. Their chest is up. Their head is neutral. And they're breathing. And then switch to the other side. Now that half side plank that most people have, their ass hanging backwards, their head tilted over, and their shoulder dropping forward, and they're just like... When is this gonna be over because I'm bored and I wanna get into my workout? It's gonna make a huge difference. This is where coaching comes into play. Like, I always make this analogy. Like, I can, you know, do my own plumbing at home. Like, I can go on YouTube and figure that shit out. But one, it's gonna take me a lot longer to get to the outcome that I want. And two, most likely, you know, maybe a month, two months down the road, maybe even a year, a pipe is gonna burst. You know, a good example of this actually was, and I think I brought this up before on my podcast a couple of years back. Uh, my dishwasher broke, and me being me, being cheap, I was like, you know what? I could probably fucking fix it. Six hours later, and almost flooding my apartment, um, I got it to work. But now my dishwasher goes through a whole series of like every year always stop working and then I have to take it apart. Like now a little bit more efficient because I understand this thing like inside and out. But I could have saved all this trouble by hiring a freaking plumber to come in, maybe spending an hour to fix the whole thing and boom, done, right? This is the same thing when it comes to coaching. Like yeah, you can download the best program in the world and follow it to a T But there's always little things that's going to take you that extra step. So after you're done the side plank, and sometimes the side plank will fuck your low back too. And most recently, you know, I started training this new individual, and even the half side plank is not too happy on their low back. So I started thinking, like, what can you do to mimic it, mimic it, the position? And one of the things that I stole from uh, Mike Boyle is this idea of a farmer carry single arm. So if you think of a heavy loaded carry only on one side, you're fighting anti-lateral flexion, a.k.a. this side plank. And I thought it was brilliant. So you can easily just do an isometric hold of a heavy dumbbell or a kettlebell in a standing straight posture and not let that dumbbell or kettlebell pull you over where the weight's at. And 30 seconds each side, nice and easy. Now the last one, the McGill Curl Up. Imagine you're lying on your back and you have both hands underneath your low back Ensure that you have a neutral spine and you're not overly arching. You have one leg bent, say it's your left side or right side, doesn't matter. And you're thinking of driving your chest up towards the ceiling so only your shoulders and head slightly lift off the ground, maybe 20 degrees. So it's almost like an isometric hold and not a crunch. There's no flexion in the spine. You're literally just lifting your. Shoulders off the ground, chest towards the ceiling, head stays neutral and follows, and you hold it, 10 to 15 seconds rest, 10 to 15 seconds rest, 10 to 15 seconds rest. What this teaches is creating that stiffness that you need to properly brace. So if you are familiar with like hollow rocks or like a hollow body position, or if you just hang on a pull-up bar and drive your feet forward to mimic that hollow body, you feel that isometric contraction right away in your abdomen area. So with this one, it's like a very foundational movement to reteach the core how to stiffen and brace. Now, if you have low back issues, you've been diagnosed by a chiro or physio you are flexion intolerant extension intolerant discogenic whatever it may be and they say that these three exercises would be a good idea then yes you should be doing these daily that's the big thing a lot of times you'll go on the internet and find a lot of good information for exercise based on your condition like i post a lot of rehab stuff because a lot of people are broken but then i get questions like hey you know when i do this exercise this you know thing in the inside of my leg starts hurting like what do you think it is it's like well fuck like you need to get checked out and by a good practitioner to figure out what it actually is because maybe you know the side plank and the bird dog is going to do wonders for your back but for some reason the mcgill curl up actually is fucking you over because you also have some cervical spine stuff going on right there's usually more than, than one culprit when it comes to pain But for the most part, generally speaking, these three are proven to help tremendously when it comes to um, back pain. They're really, really simple and they can be done daily, like daily. If people took the time to actually do these three, it would help their quality of life so, so much. Um, if you guys easily search on YouTube, like McGill big three, or literally just the bird dog and half side plank and the McGill curl up, you'll find those videos really quickly. You know, this also makes me think that I should probably, um, create a post on these to help you guys out, have a little more of a visual, but that's it for me. Thank you guys for listening to my rambles. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to reach out. Hit the show notes. Add me on Facebook. Add me on Instagram. You know, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Rafael Matuszewski out there. Um, thank you guys. You guys are freaking amazing. Until next time.